where do you see round 21, you know, as a company, um, you know, in the near future? In the near future, um, we're starting a Kickstarter. So I don't know if you guys know what a Kickstarter is, yeah, but basically yeah. we're mobilizing people who care about art and sport to say this brand needs to have a role in the world. And so Kickstarter, if you search round 21, you would see the ability to support what we're, what we're trying to build. So everything in the next like four weeks is focused on round 21's Kickstarter. Midterm and long-term though, what I hope for the brand is that, call it three years or so, it will feel odd and awkward to play with something so meaningful mm. to you in sport that doesn't say something about you. Mm. Almost like your sneakers, your hood, like you you know when you put it on, it's saying yeah. something about your mood that day, exactly. who you hang out with, what you believe mm. in. I want to be the brand that creates the norm is that my sports equipment says something about me. What's up, guys? We're back with another episode uh, with the amateurs. Today, we have a very, very special guest uh, with us today. You know, I had the privilege of interning under Jasmine, uh, you know, this summer with Round 21. Uh, she's doing a lot of big things, you know, collabing with the NBA and, um, you know, just doing doing big things with Round 21. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming <laughs> Definitely. Yep. You have, a, you have a, a dope, you know, setup back there. We'll get into it a little bit later. You know, as to what round 21 is and, and what you have going on with that. Um, but but what, what else have you been up to lately outside of round 21? You know, we're in a pandemic and everything. But, you know, what else have you been up to? Um, well, I think this phase, the last six months, has really been about things that are close to me being most important, honestly. So whether that's family or starting a new business or paying attention to my health or passions like sports or art or being outdoors, really just the things that mean the most. I think without all the distractions of, you know, what life could be, you know, going to this event or meeting up with friends for dinner, it mm -hmm. really brings me back to kind of the basics. Definitely, definitely. I think that that's one thing that I've realized as well, just trying to focus more on what I'm what I'm thankful for and, and trying to show gratitude. And it's, it's honestly worked for me. We're still in the pandemic, but I don't feel the effects as, as, as much as I did before. Right, right. Definitely. But um, we have a we have a segment on our show now called the one minute warm up. Yeah. So I have about 10 to 11 questions. I'm going to ask you have a minute to answer them and you get one skip. OK. All right. Ready? <laughs> ready. All right. Here we go. Favorite movie. Uh, there's something about Mary. Favorite sports team. Celtics. Career high in points, either college or pro. Meeting the rock. Um, sport sport that you're least talented in. Hockey. Uh, favorite athlete of all time. Michael Jordan. Yes, yes. <laughs> favorite sneaker that you own. Uh, okay, so this is going to sound a little odd, but um, Under Armour made a shoe inspired by Star Wars that never made it to market, but I have a pair, and so okay. those are special to me. Mm, nice. Mm. Uh, best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, if you don't have a plan, go for it anyway. I like that. Greatest role model. Um, my niece who has special needs. 
favorite artist? Uh, what kind? Music, visual, got to be specific. I'm about art and sport. Um, music. <laughs> music? Um, Jay-Z. I like that. Ooh. And uh, what, what was your dream, dream school growing up? Dream school? Oh. Um, UNC. It's kind of cliche. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Makes I, sense. I like, I like the Jay-Z. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's Jane and I's guy. It yeah. was not only uh, obvious, but when I started to think about all the way he's, he's creative and an artist, it's kind mm. of like top of the list all the way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's kind of crazy you said that this whole summer – you know, we I had you know the chance to intern under you, and I did not know that. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> but now you know. Let let's let's get into it. So, um, who you know who put the ball in your hands, and you know where did you know your love for the game come from? I'm very lucky to have been raised around all boys, brother, cousins, and so I think my brother did. He's five five years older than me, but we had cousins that were also five years older than me. And then my mm -hmm. other cousin was my age. So it was always mm -hmm. two on two where the two older brothers played the two of us. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to kind of fit in and hang out and be around them. And they were always playing basketball. And so it kind of came with the territory. Ah, gotcha. So, okay. So, so what was your favorite sports memory, you know, as an amateur athlete? Um, well, you know, they're all those game winning shots. No, I'm, <laughs> um, I think it was just one big memory of the moments when we actually weren't on the court, you know, back when I played traveling to an away game, getting ready, the butterflies, I think the national anthem swaying yes. back and forth, getting ready for tip off. You can't really replicate that. Right side of sports, you we think we can with like big presentations or getting ready for a pod. It's mm -hmm. not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's true. I, I definitely missed that the whole routine, especially this past uh, season, because I really did put together my own routine during the national anthem, <laughs> right before tip off. And I still, because I was so used to like visualizing that before, like the night before a game, I still do that sometimes. I'm like, man, why are you still do right. <laughs> you're not an athlete anymore? But it, right. hey, you're always an athlete. It's it's in here. That's a good point. That's um, a good point. Don't say that. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. And um, you, you played overseas professionally for a while as well. What was what was that like? So I had very few choices of where I was going to go play overseas. I got two options, Denmark or Spain, very different cultures. And I, you know, took Spain because new language, new food. Europe is such a draw, I think, um, for being able to explore within the region. And mm. so not, not any of it was motivated by what team or the talent, it was all about the experience. And I think I'm glad to have had people around me who navigated my decision based on the broader experience. Mm. And it was, it was all the good and not some of the good, you know, you three practices a day, same people every day, one day off a week. It's really mm. kind of a, I say that with all the affection and passion I have for like the opportunity, but mm. um, it, it was a one year thing. I'm so, so glad I did it, but I really do think about the athletes who go overseas and play like 12 years in Russia. Yeah. Or four, I, it, it, they're working hard for that opportunity. Definitely. Wow, Definitely. Yeah. we and we—that's Bryce. We, you know, we've had some uh, profo uh, professional basketball players on as well. So, I think that's great to you know hear the other side of you know athletes being able to to, to share that experience. You know, come back and then be able to still stay around sports like such as yourself. So, exactly, yeah. and that's that's kind of where I wanted to go next. You know, you were you were able to successfully transition 
from playing professionally into a career in sports. Um, how did how did you do that? Uh, I I knew who I was early in my kind of journey, which was a positive and a negative. It's great to know kind of who you are, meaning what gets you excited, what motivates you, and that was always around the locker room or athletic achievement or or the sports culture or even culture of sports from a from a business perspective. So I knew that that was going to be like a, a north star for where I went, but I didn't have the confidence or the knowledge of how to do anything but play, really. So my bridge was coaching. Oh. And while I was doing it, I wasn't aware that it was a bridge, but I'm proud to say I was aware that it was just a moment. I, I never thought I was going to be a coach for like 20, 30 years, but I did know that it was going to be valuable to me to whatever I wanted to do next. And right. so coaching for me manifested as an encore basketball coach, but then it also came to life as a strength and conditioning coach. And mm -hmm. so that gave me a lot of flexibility. Um, and, and it was a matter of time as to what I would do next, but I needed that bridge, kind of like a gap year a lot of people take. Mm -hmm. yeah. I needed to kind of see what it was like not just playing anymore before I went into a more structured environment. Okay. Right. So, okay, you so so we fast forward into you coaching now, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what? So after coaching, you go into the sports industry, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So can you tell us, um, you know, what what the first opportunity was like? You know, being able to make that transition in the sports, you know, world. Yeah, I would start by saying there's actually opportunities every day to show potential. So I don't know if your listeners understand really what I'm saying, you know, without articulating a little bit more, but whether it's even this um, great platform you guys have created, you're, you're making value, you're creating value. So when I coached, I recruiting was something I thought was a marketing opportunity. I'm like, mm -hmm. recruiting is telling a potential student athlete what's better about your program than the, you know, school around the corner, mm -hmm. what's better about the school and the, maybe the city. And I mm -hmm. knew that that was marketing. So I tried to find ways to separate myself creating visual collateral pamphlets mm. you know, back then, even the way you would structure an email is all now kind of what you expect in corporate marketing roles. Right. So my, my bridge from playing to my first job, which was at Reebok was coaching, but I knew I was creating sound bites and uh, signals of why I would be a great fit for a company like Reebok, which is I've been with the consumer that you're trying to connect with for the past mm. 10 years. Mm. I know what sneakers they like. I know what they're drinking. I know how they think about brands. Let me come be the voice of the consumer in this mm. organization. And so that was how I kind of leveraged my coaching. Oh, wow. And and I, I love that for one, one main reason. Um, you know, we, we try to push the idea that, you know, us as athletes, like you said, we know what athletes like. We know what these companies, what their consumers like. We are their consumers. And we right. spend our entire lives around them. So we have an advantage. We have an advantage that we can, you know, use to help these companies out. So I, I just try to tell, you know, other student athletes to, because so many, so many athletes think it's either I play this sport professionally or that's it. But you can, right. you can work for Reebok. You can work for Adidas, uh, Under Armour, all these other companies and, and still be successful and, and enjoy your job. So I, I love that. Um, but you know, so so many of us, we dream of working in the sports industry. I know from myself and Jaren, we we can only we we can imagine, you know, 
that point when we finally get there, we have our full time opportunity. Super mm -hmm. exciting. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in knowing what that was like for you, where you were like, you know, whether it was a project you were working on or an event that you were at and you were like, man, like I'm really getting paid to do this. Right. That actually happened later. The when I realized that I can't believe someone's paying me to do this was working on the NFL Combine at Under Armour. I actually came home and told my husband that. So that's that's a real soundbite. <laughs> at Reebok, I think my learning curve was really steep. You know, I'd never tucked my shirt in. I was 28 when I joined Reebok. I'd never like worn anything but sweatpants and a whistle around my neck. So for me, I went in insecure too insecure, trying to find all the answers, thinking I should know this. Mm. And what I realized about six weeks in was I have to start asking for help mm. and people wanted to help. And it wasn't that I needed to know everything. I kind of felt like I was still interviewing for the job in my mm -hmm. first few. And I, I, you know, once that kind of weight was lifted, then it was a lot of fun. Um, my first job, the biggest memory was trying to figure out what are Adidas and Reebok both going to stand for now that they were under the same brand and trying mm. to go up against Nike mm. and having a sense of what both brands heritage represented and how that was going to play out in the marketplace was just such an incredible thing to witness less about me adding value or some milestone, but to be able to have been a part of witnessing how that all played out um, was really, really valuable to me. That's crazy. Um, were you at Reebok around the same time as Alan Iverson? I was. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. I think that's if you dope. asked Alan, were you there when Jazz, like, he might play this. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I never and, worked with him or met him, actually. And that, that's crazy because I kind of remember us talking about that, Jasmine, like uh, our first meeting, I think we had, you know, getting acquainted and everything. But uh, I was telling Bryce that, like, I, I don't remember if she worked with uh, Alan Iverson or not. But I worked. Man, that was at Reebok while he was there. Mm -hmm. I did not work with, with him. With him, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Right, so, um, you know, being an athlete now, you know, you've played overseas, uh, you're in the sports uh, industry and everything. What What is the biggest piece of advice, you know, you have for the student athletes that are trying to leverage, you know, their experience as being, you know, a, a student athlete while in college? So I, I'm sure that a lot of student athletes have friends who feel like they know exactly what they want to do with their life. And that pressure can feel a little bit overwhelming. If you have friends who like, I'm going to go to med school or I'm going to be a consultant. And so the first bit of advice I would try to provide somebody who was more like me, which was, I don't know where I want to go, but I, I have the courage to explore is to think about where they want to explore and shift the narrative with people who may be being like, where, where are you going to go do next? What do you want to do to, well, I'm exploring mm. brands that are bringing um, sports experiences to life, or I'm exploring media in today's new market through a podcast about sports. I think it takes pressure off the feeling like you have to have a linear path. Mm. And it gives you it gives you a little confidence boost that you know boost that you know you're exploring, but you still have to do a little bit of soul searching on what you want to explore. Right. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, go ahead. My bad. Yeah. Now, so just to piggyback off, you know, what you what you just uh, explained to the the listeners, how important is it for student athletes to start building their brand early? Well, it's a different world than when I was uh, at this life stage, but I think it's very important. And I'd say building a brand is all about the emotional connection you have to people. That's what brand is. Brand is a set of 
characteristics that are repeated and consistent right. over time right. and about building a relationship. So how you operate, you know, are you doing side deals? Are you talking different to people's faces than behind their back? That catches up even in your new life stage of like corporate America. Mm. So really thinking about how you're treating people is a part of building your brand. Mm. I think people think it's about how you present yourself, which is also true. But if what you present is different than who you are, how you treat people, it doesn't matter what you're presenting. Wow, that's that's big. We that's that's definitely going to be a promo clip. <laughs> but um, last last question before we get into the fun stuff, you know, about round twenty one, um, you you had you had multiple positions for a few different companies in, in global marketing. A lot of people will hear global marketing and they won't really know what that job entails. So, what were some of your daily tasks, or how would you describe what global marketing is to um, I guess some, someone our age that's looking to get into the industry. Yeah, so marketing is communicating a you know a message to create an action, right? Mm -hmm. You communicate Sprite is fizzy, and so you want people to buy it. And mm -hmm. so global marketing is making sure that there is a sense of who the brand is, despite what geography it is. Right. But then strategies that allow for local understanding. Gotcha. Because not every market thinks about sports or wellness or fitness the same way, but everyone should think about the brand the same way relative to how the local culture may be. So long story short, as a global marketer, you're setting the consumer like center, the insight, as well as the brand's story. But then you're partnering. It's a ton of relationships with uh, local marketers in, in region, like in Europe, Amsterdam, Spain, et cetera, translating that brand story into local relevance. So mm. there's definitely a, a, a handshake with other marketers in regions to make it come to life. Gotcha. Wow. Gotcha. All right. So let's let's get into round 21. Now, you had a dope setup back there we mentioned before, the paddles, the ping pong table. Um, I love it all. I love it all. Um, so what, what is Round 21 and, and where did this idea come from? So Round 21, very simply, is bringing creativity to what we play with. Simply put, I mm -hmm. see athletes like the two of you, you know, you guys mm -hmm. trying to express who you are through a variety of mediums, a podcast, a sneaker, a hoodie, when what's core to our identity, our sport, remains a blank canvas. But it should it should say something about what you believe. It should say something mm. about who you are. So I'm merging art that says something about a theme or a societal situation with the things we play with to bring meaning to the player and express something about them. I'm okay. starting with ping pong, which is a little counterculture to what people may think, but it's a very inclusive <laughs> experience. So I'm starting there. Yeah, that was a. Uh... Bryce, I, you know, me being the intern, I should have been able to answer that question for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey. Yeah. But nah, yeah, so that's, that's perfect. You know, you're, you're talking about the, the ping pong paddles. You know, we had the opportunity to work on together. And uh, just just talk about the, the social justice paddles and, um, you know, bringing that together. Um, how, did, how did that experience feel to be able to see your work come to life, you know, on the NBA, one of the, you know, biggest platforms, you know, of all sports, basically. Yeah. So, you know, Round 21 is a brand that wants to be a part of culture and in some ways set cultural trends one day, you know, we're just getting started. But what we were witnessing as a society was sports 
playing a very pivotal role in how people were treating each other, how people were seeing each other. And the NBA had this bubble environment where they were very public about there's ping pong, there's fishing, there's golf. And so they wanted where possible to bring the larger macro theme of racial injustice in the spirit of social justice to life everywhere the players spent time to reinforce and echo what the players real meaning of the bubble was about. And so we partnered with um, a few artists. This is one example of uh, three paddles that went into the NBA bubble to provide a sense of meaning to this downtime that the guys were sharing that was relevant to uh, social justice. And Brian Bowens, an artist out of Philly, built this solidarity fist to reflect empathy and compassion of all people coming together uh, in this moment of change. And so we thought that would be a per the NBA and we thought that would be a perfect representation of the bigger reason for being for this season. And it was beyond incredibly satisfact satisfactory to see the emotional power of the symbolism come to life with one of the biggest platforms in all of sport that creates influence. Um, and I hope it's just the beginning. Definitely. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. And like pretty much you're, you're just getting started. I mean, so like that's, that's big time. So, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like, cause I, I never really had the chance, you know, to actually like, how did, how did you take all that in? You know, we were working so hard on trying to do so much research and, you know, everything that goes with it. So I know you, you've probably had some downtime now to just soak it all in and just, you know, see the work basically come to life. Yeah. There's no downtime, but <laughs> something about the world we live in today. Um, and this isn't meant to give anybody a feeling that they'll never be able to catch up or anything like that, but there is a sense of like, you're only as good as your last story. And so what I try to take from that is both the good and the bad mm -hmm. are, are fleeting. Mm -hmm. If you only think the good is fleeting, then that's just crushing. But sure. if you think that the highs are never as high and the lows are never as low, whether personally or in business, you can actually kind of hit a nice steady cadence of hard work and payoff and hard work and risk and hard work mm -hmm. and payoff. Um, so I just kind of took it in stride, even though it's been some time, it, it's, it's definitely just hopefully one of these types of things that'll continue to happen. Definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, um, so where, where do you see round 21, you know, as a company, um, you know, in the near future? In the near future, um, we're starting a Kickstarter. So I don't know if you guys know what a Kickstarter is, yeah, but basically yeah. we're mobilizing people who care about art and sport to say this brand needs to have a role in the world. And so Kickstarter, if you search round 21, you would see the ability to support what we're, what we're trying to build. So everything in the next like four weeks is focused on round 21's Kickstarter. Midterm and long-term though, what I hope for the brand is that, call it three years or so, it will feel odd and awkward to play with something so meaningful mm. to sport that doesn't say something about you. Mm. Almost like your sneakers, your hood, like you you know when you put it on, it's saying yeah. something about your mood that day, exactly. who you hang out with, what you believe mm. in. I want to be the brand that creates the norm is that my sports equipment says something about me. 
I like that. Wow. That's that's actually yeah. I, I I've never thought of it that way, but you definitely feel it with clothes. It has a certain energy to it. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure that sports equipment will have the same thing in the future. That's 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 dope. Yep. Yeah. Um, so our last question is always, you know, do you have a, a, a mantra or a quote that you live by? Um, yeah, I mean, can I answer the question a little backwards and then come back to the one you just asked? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so quotes can be tricky because mm -hmm. it's actually someone else's belief you might have heard that you're applying to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that what doesn't kill you makes you you stronger, I think is a little tiny bit flawed. Mm -hmm. If you really know who you are, if you really know who you are, what doesn't kill you could kill you, right? So yeah. like if you're in a role, if you're doing something that is counter to your beliefs, that thing making you unhappy is going to keep making you unhappy. It's not making you stronger. Mm -hmm. So I, I encourage people to think about who they are and if what they're doing is they're grinding, but they love it, that's making right. them stronger. Or if they're grinding and they're learning, that's mm -hmm. making them stronger. But if it's counter to who they are, or what they believe, what's the end goal? So that that quote always kind of rubbed me mm -hmm. the wrong way. What mm -hmm. would kill me makes me stronger, I think, depends on who you are. For sure. Um, but a favorite quote, you know, a... a, a um, uh, oh my gosh, I guess it's not my favorite quote, but a goal is just a dream with a deadline mm. has always been meaningful to me because I said when I was younger, I'm going to start my own company and it just kept dragging and dragging and dragging. And I was right. like, what? No, a goal. Is it really a goal? It's a dream with a deadline. So when are you starting? Okay, I'm going to start at 40 was my deadline. And to me, I got to determine what my goal was. And that was to name the company. <laughs> it's taking me four years to actually get it off the ground. Right. Like a, a goal is a dream with a deadline. So if you're talking a big game and you know you want to be an entrepreneur or a coach or, you know, be the best lawn mowing company in your district, that's, that's all very awesome work. What are your deadlines to get there? Uh, that quote has always stuck with me, except just when I was trying to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Before before we, I do want to talk to our listeners really quickly. You know, some states, the the date to register to vote has already passed, but we do want to encourage everyone to not only register to vote, but start to think about your plan and how you're going to do so. Election day is literally next month, so so let's 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 do it. Yeah. Yes. Get out there and vote. Yes. Out there and vote. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on. Um, best of luck to you and everything that you have coming with Round 21. Our listeners out there, go and check out the Kickstarter. We'll have the link to that in the bio, either on wherever you're listening, YouTube, Spotify, whatever. Yep. But thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah thank you. Amazing. Thank you. I'm really, the world needs to hear your voices. So I'm so glad that you created this platform. Yeah. Wait, in uh any any internship summer any anything we Yeah, we're going to um we're going to start our spring internship February 1st. So okay. applications will go, you know, on round21.com. You'll yeah. see the link to internships, but we're going to take the holiday off with the internship okay. for now. Okay, we'll be able to put it below too. That's so. great. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah.